galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's Gift Shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877. Zany, radio for the imagination, with your host Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, radio for the imagination. Good morning. This is Paula Granquist, and you're listening to Art Zany, radio for the imagination. It's another zany morning here on the show. I thank you so much for being a part of the show, for listening to us as we celebrate creating and stories. So let's go ahead and tune our imaginations together here as we get set up. It's, it's going to be a great show. I can already tell. So do you feel like it? It's, it's, it's the holidays now. And I really hope that you are able to spend some time connecting with family and friends and enjoying some of your favorite festive fall foods. I, I, did, I wrote that and I said, that's cool. There's four F's in there. I liked it. <laughs> so, um, and I hope that you're also dreaming ahead of the days that might be possible, that there are things that maybe you weren't able to do this year that you hope to be able to do for the next holiday or for the next um, the next year. So we we in our family had a little bit of a traditional Thanksgiving. It was the you know traditional event with family, turkey, and all the fixings. There was a puzzle to do, movies. Of course, there were lots of dishes. They just never seemed to end. <laughs> and some great conversations. I absolutely think that it's this sharing of memories and taking the time to get updated on everyone's worlds that I appreciate the most. It's really hard to do that with the family in a go-go world. You know, we don't, I think one of the things that's changed is we all have cell phones. So when you call a house, you don't call, you call a person, you don't call the house. And so sometimes it was random who picked up the phone. So then you'd get to talk to your nephew or you'd get to talk to your cousin but now you directly call each person, and I think that that changes things a little bit. And we should definitely gather more often, but maybe not with a giant meal. It kind of seems to put everybody <laughs> to sleep by the early in the night. But you know, when I we were talking, and my mom asked me about this week's radio show. First, I have to give a shout out to mom, who is my number one fan out there on Art Zany Radio. Thank you, mom, for listening every single week. I told her that we were featuring a classic holiday show, and she told me, now this is unbelievable to me, that my dad had been in a high school production, and she thought it was this show that we're going to feature today. And I, I was absolutely blown away. Most of you don't, didn't get a chance to know my dad, but that does not, he was a computer scientist. He was a, an engineer. He was, um, you know, uh, a great, gregarious person, but I never imagined him being up on the stage. So my mom dug out his yearbook saying, I'm going to prove to you that he was in this show. (laughs) We'd never heard these stories before. And it did say he was in the science club. And we all went, yeah, we we surely believe that one. But interestingly, the the reference in 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 the yearbook did mention that he was in a play, but the page number was not coordinated with what was uh, in the, in the index. 
So there's no photographic evidence or no notation that he was in the play. So we're still trying to figure out if that was actually true. <laughs> so it was kind of fun, though, to spend. And we looked at what was happening in the 1950s when he graduated from high school. And it was just so much fun to, to take back and, and think about those memories and, you know, get that wonderful surprise. So I think if we take time for conversations, there are going to be new connections, new ideas, and new inf information. And being open to those surprises that come to you is part of what's really important in all of us helping each other make it through this world. So I think it's the sweetest part of life. So take some time to connect, allow those joys to unfold, and those new facets of family and friends to reveal fresh perspectives on who we are and what we share. So imagine the possibilities. Folks, I've been uh, telling you about the show, and I'm so excited to be able to talk about this production. It is a show by the Purple Door Youth Theater, and it's a wonderful life. I'm going to turn on the mics. We're going to welcome. we got a crowd here. We also have, um, I'm going to turn on, I'm going to hold off. May is out there listening, so we're going to in invite her in in just a second. But first, I want to go ahead and say that um, this production is um, an adapted for radio on stage play, which is exactly why I wanted to do it here on Art Zany Radio. It's really perfect. So let's um, welcome our guest to the show. We'll start with Rachel and have you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and uh, maybe a little about, about the Purple Door Youth Theater, too. Sure. Thank you so much for having us this morning. Uh, I'm Rachel Heider, and uh, I, along with Joe Jorgensen, started Purple Door Youth Theater in 2015. This will be our 12th production in, in just those short years. Uh, and it, the, the whole theory behind Purple Door was to get kids involved in the entire theater process and to really uh, help educate them in the process uh, along the way so that it's, uh, there, there's definitely value in, in simply being in a show but also uh, getting the the vocabulary that's needed and understanding that there are so many parts to a show <laughs> and that the team is really what it's all about and you know we we always uh, say we're all in this together and that's that's it's a big part of being in the theater. So uh, other than that, I direct adult shows as well here and um, in Faribault. I'll be doing a few shows coming up in Faribault and did one this last summer. And uh, I just, I, I thrive on theater and I just want to share my love of theater with everyone else so that they can love it as much as I do. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's, it is an amazing piece of of the the experience for for especially for kids who can then figure out you know I might not be the one who wants to be on stage but there's a role for me if I want to paint you know backdrops or um do lights or um you know help with props or I mean there's a million different <laughs> avenues for Absolutely. any any interest you <laughs> so bet I think it's been a great addition to our community we have a great vibrant theater community here so thank you for coming down I know You've had a busy weekend, and I sure appreciate you being here. <laughs> well, thank you so <laughs> Although much. Although it's not even the weekend yet, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those time warps that happens with the holidays. <laughs> let's jump in and let's hear um, from, from Nathan about um, who you are, a little bit about yourself, um, where you go to school, and maybe some theater experiences that you've had. Um, yeah, I'm Nathan Wolf. I'm a student 
in Northfield. I'm in 11th grade, and um, in the I'm on the technician crew for It's a Wonderful Life. I've been doing, I've done tech for a few other shows at Purple Door. It's been a great experience. I've I've done a few theater productions as well at my own school at Arcadia, but not not too much. I've done mostly technician work. And then aside from that, I enjoy things like I music and photography. I enjoy those. I do those in my free time. And yeah, that's... <laughs> well, I'm delighted yeah. to have you here. Thank you. I think this might be your first time on Art Zany Radio, it right? It is, yes, it so is. I'm a, it's a thrill to have you here. Thank, Thank you. you for being here. It's nice to be here. And let's hear from Maggie. Go ahead and let's tip that down a little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm Maggie Muth. Um, I'm a junior at Northfield High School. Um, this is, I'm playing Mary Hatch in the show, um, and this is just one of the Purple Door shows that I've been in, and I'm really excited to do another one. I've done tech for a couple shows, I've acted in a couple other ones, um, and uh, in my free time, I really like to read and write, and um, I play the cello, too, at school, it's really fun. Oh, wonderful. And you've you've been in other theater productions, yes? Yeah. Um, I just finished doing tech for the high school musical, um, The Mystery of Edwin Drood. I saw that. A fantastic show. My goodness, what a, a great cast and uh, beautiful music. Yeah. And which part of the tech did you do? Um, I was calling cues for it. Oh, so is that backstage? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so you're trying to make sure you're like traffic uh, director? Um, <laughs> more traffic director for the other technicians techies okay um, yeah fabulous that's see there's another part of the show i didn't even when i think of of all the things that have to go on that was one i hadn't thought of yeah so congratulations thank you and let's welcome may into the show we're going to cross our fingers when i press this button that may may is there good morning may are you there hello yes i'm here oh good let's um make sure you're real close because you sound a little far away so oh can you hear me better now a little bit. Um, if there's a way to um, get your mic, that is much better. Perfect. <laughs> so tell us about yourself, May, and and your connections to theater and some of the things that you like to do and your school experience as well. Well, um, I go to the Northfield Middle School. I'm in seventh grade. I think this is my fifth Purple Door show. Five shows. Um, I play the. I played a role in the show of the announcer and Uncle Billy. And, um, yeah, I, I also played the show of Maggie. I didn't know that you played the show as well. Well, isn't that yeah. great connection? See, we're opening ourselves up to surprises. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for being here. I, I One thing I wanted to ask everybody is um, to... Th- I. I will admit that I had not seen the show It's a Wonderful Life, the movie, until just this week. Uh, it's not, not a tradition my family grew up with. And, uh, of course, I was very aware of the film because a lot of people. But I was so surprised how much I enjoyed it and how I found it to be um, a show that, that has relevance today, too. So I wonder for um, us, let's start with Maggie. If, you know, Had you seen the show? Um, and, and just thinking about... The production was there. Was there a, a was this important to you to to be a part of the show because you love the movie, or any any traditions your family has around seeing It's a Wonderful Life? Um, yeah, I have seen the movie. I saw it a very long time ago when I was really little. Um, but my my parents are kind of 
sticklers for just making sure I get introduced to all of their favorite films. Um, <laughs> and we do, we have this tradition around Christmas time that every year on Christmas Eve, we all sit down as a family and watch a Christmas themed movie. Um, and so one of the years it was It's a Wonderful Life. And I really liked the movie. I was kind of mad it wasn't black and white, but <laughs> <laughs> they can it, change that now, can't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they could. Um, but I think this year again, we're probably going to watch it on Christmas Eve. Of course, especially yeah. since you're in the production. How about let's jump over to um, May and and hear from her. Uh, had you seen the movie before? And what's your uh, connection to the story of It's a Wonderful Life? Well, yeah, I actually um, just watched part of this movie yesterday for the first time. Ah! Um, and, yeah, so it, it's kind of striking how similar it is to our play. And, it, of course, the, the play does leave out some of the little details because it's not going to be quite as long, but it's very, very similar, and I recognize a lot of things, and I would say, like, oh, I know what's about to happen next, and, you know, things like that. So, yeah, we, um... I, 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 yeah, I just watched it for the first time yesterday. I think that's interesting. You know, it, it was produced, I think I looked it up, 1946, which is a whole heck of a long time ago. Nathan, had you seen the, the film? Or, and um, it was just that part of the reason you wanted to be a part of the show? I have still never seen It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, Okay. I know for sure that my family will try and set up a time for all of us to watch it together, <laughs> after the show at least, but I I haven't seen it yet. I thought it would be a fun experience to do tech on a radio show, though. And so I think that's one of the things that, that maybe seeing it from that perspective of it being new is also uh, a really good good way. Rachel, what have you found with the, the kids in the show? With their familiarity, well, when you when you said this is what we're doing, what was yeah, the response? <laughs> ac actually, there's one young man in the show who said that their family watches it every year that he can remember. He's in middle school, and that was what drove him to come to the auditions uh, because he was just so enthralled with the story, and it was such an important part of his life. But this is actually the 75th anniversary of the film. Oh, I didn't think, yeah. And when it first came out, it was extremely successful as far as uh, it, it was award, or it was nominated for five Academy Awards. Um, it was critically very important, but it didn't get a great box office um, release because of they they released it like it was just a few days before Christmas and there just wasn't enough time for it to, to really <laughs> to ramp up. Yeah. Right. However, um, from there it got radio or television play and basically has been on television every single year <laughs> since. Yeah, 75 years. Think about that. Right. <laughs> right. So uh, it is hugely popular and there is actually a colorized version of it now so <laughs> oh, now we know <laughs> now we know and um it has been named on top 10 lists of best movies ever many many times it's frank capra for goodness sakes mm -hmm. um and has yeah it's just had this great following and and maybe not 
for everyone. But if you think about 75-year span, that's a lot of generations that have grown up with this film. And, and what's interesting about it is it's not your typical Christmas movie. <laughs> Maybe that's where we should go next, because there may be um, members of our audience, too, who are like, I, I've heard of this, but I'm not really sure what this is. So maybe I'll have um, one of the ki- uh, kids jump in, uh, Maggie or Nathan, who wants to tell us, uh, what is the base? What's this, what's this story all about? Why, why is, are people so, um, you know, watch, watch this over and over? What do you think? Um, well, uh, the story follows, um, George Bailey, who is a person who lives in Bedford Falls, New York, and he, um, he, his goal in life is just to get out of his, his town and see the world and go on all these exotic adventures, but one thing after another just keeps piling up and he's stuck in his hometown working at his father's company, the Bailey Building and Loan, and it just gets to the point where, like, he can't escape. Um, and there are some good things in his life, but he gets to the point where he just doesn't really want to live his life anymore. And so this angel named Clarence has to come down and convince George that his life is actually worth living and that he has helped so many people in his life that it w- his life has actually been worth living and then like it happens right before Christmas and that's the part of it that is the Christmas show. Um, and it's just a really like heartfelt um, movie. I, I don't know what else to say. That's, no, I think that's a really good setup. Yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. What's really interesting about it uh, is that it actually, and I didn't really realize this until I started to delve into the script, but in the end it is essentially the same story as the Christmas Carol, which oh. if you think about the story of the Christmas Carol, the Charles Dickens, it it isn't really super Christmassy either, which is why when you go to a production of it, they always play up the big Fezziwig party much, much bigger than it is in the book, in the original book of the Christmas Carol, because they're trying to put some Christmas into it. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> but uh, it is you know in the end they both both char- both main characters uh come upon a supernatural uh being so a ghost mm-hmm. or in this case an angel and um they take them to a very dark spot and see what could happen and then through that the characters discover that they actually have a fabulous or wonderful life mm-hmm. and uh and and they are are able to to just celebrate christmas in a whole new light i think i hadn't thought about that but you're right there is sort of that that pattern of letting us see and then really kind of understand the meaning of you know what what really is right in front of us right <laughs> right exactly that's a that's a good way. Now, Nathan, maybe I'll have you talk about, but this isn't isn't the you know you're not putting the movie on stage. This is a, a what did they call it a radio on stage production. And you said you were really excited to be a part of that. What does that mean for for folks that are interested in the show? Right. So for the most part, for the most part, we've done a little bit of work on the set, but our biggest task has been running the sound cues on stage since in the show there's a lot of 
audio cues that need to be demonstrated. Like, for example, uh, in one of the scenes, Mary hatches robe rips, and we have just a very simple sound cue of a tearing fabric just to demonstrate that that is what's happening so that the show can feel, can be more immersed in what's happening in the story. I think, yeah, that's, there's so, it's, I was wondering, you play music, and as I was thinking about your role doing the sound, is it like reading a music score, you know, and you're, you're, you've got beats and timing, or are you, or is it more improv where you're kind of like watching the people on stage because you want to line up the sounds? How, how does that work? There's definitely, and there's definitely elements of both because for certain cues, there's a telephone ringing that we need to line up to the actors picking up a phone on stage. Right. Cause otherwise it would look weird. <laughs> exactly. And then for other ones, there is more of a score type of, deal to it because you just need to time it as well as you can like the fabric 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 ripping or there's doors opening and closing when characters enter this room so those are there's definitely there's bits of and pieces of both i think that would be a fun way to do a production and let's let's jump out and get may in here and ask may are, um why don't you tell us about your role in this production of the northfield arts guild purple door youth theater of it's a wonderful life well um the interesting thing about this production is that we so even though it might like if you come to see it it might sound it might look like i am playing the role of uncle billy and um, the announcer, I'm really not, because remember, we're putting on a production of a 1940s radio station that happens to be live broadcasting It's a Wonderful Life. And so really, in reality, I play the role of a woman who works as a radio actress, and she is an actress that plays the role of Uncle Billy and the announcer. So it's kind of like we're actors playing actors. And so it kind of adds another layer of depth in there. It's very interesting to play. But we kind of get to come up with our own characters a little bit. So that's fun. So while you're on stage, you're... Wow, that's a lot of layers to think about. I guess I hadn't put that together that that you're this production company that's putting on a play. So it's like a play within yeah. a show for the audience that's there. Wow. <laughs> I kind of love yeah. that. I, that is a very interesting point. And uh, Maggie, let's get you in here and find out um, what your role is in the production. Uh, yeah, so I'm a radio actress playing the role of Mary Hatch, who is... Um, eventually becomes George's wife in the story. Um, And it's been really interesting for me because I haven't really played a role like this before. So it's definitely, there's a lot of, um, I've had to work with Rachel and with the actor playing George Bailey um, just about like how we're going to be like even in a radio show, like setting up these intimate scenes between the two characters. Mm-hmm. And it's been a really fun side of theater to like do all of these things. And it's been really fun to work with like how I'm going to act in a, in a way that I wouldn't usually act Right, because you have to do so much with your voice. And yeah. Is that, tell us what you've been working on, you know, because you're not, you know, looking into somebody's eyes doing an, uh, uh, you know, an a, a intimate scene or you know, like a, a love piece, but you're 
looking at the microphone <laughs> as you're doing that. So how is how is that in, in you know trying to convey that emotion with with that uh, way of presenting it? Yeah, well, there is some of it that um, we've been told to cheat out a lot and like look more at the other actors instead of at the microphones because it's really important, especially since we don't know if we're going to be able to perform without masks or not. So a lot of it is in the facial expressions, but in the eyes too. And then there's there's the part of it that's you you change your voice, you can make it more breathy, you can make it like higher or lower and all of the like different accents you can do. Um, but there's also like the breathiness of it or just taking more time to breathe and like in a more intimate scene, like looking at the other character and breathing hev- more heavily or doing all of these different things to like show that you're in the moment and that you're like taking it all in to really make a scene more touching. Mm-hmm. And that's been really interesting to learn how to do. I can imagine that. The, so I'm just still wrapping my head around that whole, so that you've got an audience and you've got characters on stage who are playing characters who are doing characters. <laughs> it, it, some, some of our students are playing up to four different characters. Whoa! So uh, that was one of the very first things we talked about was voice control and, and how can you make your voice different and uh and and also just just the whole physicalness that might go along with that even though you're standing at a mic uh you may still need to slump over or um you know stick your foot out and be on your chest out or whatever just just to help that entire character come to life especially when you have three or four <laughs> Right, and and you need to to b- make the audience believe that you are that character. Right, and so let's let's bring May in and ask uh, how how do you how did you work on your character and uh, making making that clear to the audience who you're playing at any given time. Well, uh, if you watch in like 1940s video shows or some old time, or even watch documentary, so the sometimes has this, like, voice that can be, like, it's a little over, like, really putting in, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, overreacting a little bit and, like, all this drama. And so there's a lot of, like, reading milk cartons and just practicing a lot that goes into it, Um, talking, like, in everyday life. Uncle Billy is a little bit scatterbrained you could say um he so his voice is a little quicker um maybe a little more breathy he's just he's a little more like saying quick things and all he's oftentimes in these scenes where he's nervous so I've had to work on that too yeah I would think you have a a lot of layers and and so did you mentioned um reading milk cartons is that part of it like a a, either so there commercials within the play Oh yes, um, I I am doing some commercials my as the announcer, and yeah. So, um, I the fun the fun the next thing is that we get to because in, we get to bring our scripts up to the microphones with us. We don't have to memorize our lines, <laughs> and because in a 1940s radio station, that's what they do, you know. And we're just trying to make it as like real as 
as possible. And so it really actually, that does kind of take a load off your shoulders. Like you don't have to be, you still, we want to make like eye contact and, um, and still be looking at the other actors. So you should have your lines pretty much down. But if you like completely look down real quick at your lines, and that's always nice to have. But yeah, so I I have to get the um, the ads all ready and stuff. Just bring them up there with me, but I can look at them too because that's what they do in a 1940s radio station. And we do have one ad in particular that I believe goes at the beginning of Act Two, and um, it it involves a lot of different people. It's I, I give the tagline at the end as the announcer, but it has like three different scenarios, I think. So that's, that's a fun one. Yeah, so there are many layers to the show. And folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. I thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful for all of you that are uh, faithful listeners. And anyone who is new to the show, welcome as also. I want to tell you, we're talking about It's a Wonderful Life, adopted for radio on stage. It's by Tony Palermo. I wanted to be sure to get that name in there. And it opens at the Northfield Arts Guild Theater on Saturday, December 4th, runs two weekends. The Saturday performances are at 7, the Sunday performances are at 2 p.m., and that Northfield Arts Guild Theater is off on 3rd Street in Northfield, but you can check out all the details at northfieldartsguild.org, and they've got, uh, click on the, is it the education button, I think, and then uh, theater, or there's a link on our site on kymnradio.net where I've put the, the link to that page, so you can easily get your tickets ahead of time. It might be one that sells out pretty quickly, I think, and um, if folks are going to need to know that... Um, a proof of, of vaccination is required for this event and that masks will be worn in the theater. And you mentioned you're not sure yet if even the performers may, may need to be wearing masks. So we want to make it a safe environment for everybody. And those decisions will, will be made. Right. As just just sort of right at the last minute, <laughs> we'll be able to decide. It's, it's just things are um, ramping up in the schools a bit. And uh, we have children as young as third grade in our show so but as you can hear we're all wearing masks now and you can hear us and so there's ways to make those techie things work with the microphones and uh make make it happen that's right so one thing i wanted to ask you nathan i was thinking about was the um if if the text when you're making those sound effects are on stage during during the performance or is that an off-stage thing for this production um all of the technicians are going to be on stage making the sound cues live. There, oh, that's actually yes. really fun. There are a few that we don't have live sound effects for, so we have somebody up in the booth with sound effects for music and a few cues that we couldn't quite get our hands on, like a foghorn. <laughs> that has a particular sound that you need to know, and that's really hard to make. <laughs> yes. And so tell us about some of the techniques you've learned about sound and, you know, some of the, maybe even there's some surprising tools you've been able to, you know, have in, in, I'm imagining a tray of all kinds of wonderful things that you get to pick up at Mm -hmm. different times. So we have, what we have is just a table on stage with all of the different sound cues just laid out on it. And then as the show goes on, people will pick up what they need and 
make whatever sound effect needs to be made at the time. Are they yeah. everyday tools? Are they specialized for sound? You know, so I, because I, I'm just imagining, I've seen things like, y you'll see behind the scenes of a movie making, and they're like, we use this spoon to make a, you know, zebra dance. Or you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> yeah. They they are all everyday items. Like for one of the most interesting ones is we have a cash register that needs to be rung in a bar that George Bailey goes to, and we're using a toaster. Oh, I'm trying. That probably does make sense with yeah. the the, uh, the it, sound of pushing down. You would push it down and bring it back up very quickly, and it makes a a loud sort of ka-ching noise. And then there, we also have a little a bell that we can ring for the opening of the cash register. Yeah. So that that's going to be fun for the audience to be able to see that happen live. I think that's that's kind of the the fun of it is being. Um, able to watch that. It's a part of the performance, right? That you don't get to see. And uh, they, they used to do this for real in in studio live, right? I mean, that's how radio was done a long time ago. Yes, absolutely. That is what this is based off of. Uh, Tony Palermo uh, actually is a very, very well-known sound effects artist. And oh. he is he is the one who created this script. And did I read he had a nickname? Sparks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Um, and he used to, for, for those of us in Minnesota, he used to work uh, with the Prairie Home Companion show. Oh, folks will know that for yep. sure. Yep. And um, in fact, this particular script uh, has been done by very famous people like... Um, Oh my gosh! They're all their names just went out of my head. But um, he, yes. Anyway, he's he's very very good at what he does, and uh, so he supplied um, information about how to create these sounds and such. And then he said, "Here are sounds that are really difficult to create live." And so he gave us those as a recorded sound uh, just just to make things easier on the students. Um, but all, we have 19 students in this show and all 19 are on the stage for the entire production from beginning to end. Ooh, that's going to be a crowded. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody has to, you know, be Right on uh, uh, the timing of everything has exactly. to be amazing, and you can't do that if you're not if you're coming and going. Right, right, and and we have a fun '40s look. Uh, the the studio is uh, the the set is uh, has hints of Art Deco, which is amazing. The clothes in the '40s were to die for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the padded shoulders and the the just. Uh, you know, all the men are in suits or vests, at least, and uh, the women have been working on on making the big victory rolls in their hair. Oh, I forgot <laughs> about those, right? Those giant... Yes. I, I don't know how they did that. Yes. <laughs> There's magic in that, too. And right. <laughs> a techie right. trick, probably. Do you have a crew, then, uh, that are learning about hair and makeup and clothes? Well, uh, Kate Stewart, who is our customer, mm. um, she... She did all sorts of research and shared that with with both the girls and the guys because the guys all you know a little dabble do yet they all <laughs> they all need to <laughs> slick their hair and uh, so 
yes, so the kids have been learning about those things as well. I don't know, Nathan, you guys talked a lot about 40s clothing, right? We did, yes. We talked a lot about clothing in the 40s and how it was made, how it was designed, especially, and like how just people would dress and things around that sort of thing. It, I'm I'm thinking too because I remember my grandparents like they got dressed up <laughs> when they went mm-hmm. anywhere. It was I, I can I'll never forget my I'll tell my dad's story because that's where I started the today. But one time he, my parent grandparents were visiting and he needed to go to the drugstore to get something and he just had his slippers on and he wore and my grandmother was just horrified that he would wear his slippers you know they were the kind of folks that you know wore wore the hats and ties and coats to go out for breakfast or you know uh, out in the community it was very important to be proper (laughs) and so this this would be the era you know that you're you're portraying and so even the sound techies are in within they're playing like a character doing the sound so that you also have to be uh on stage and and dressed accordingly that's right yes so uh, tell us about your costume. So the costume, uh, Kate Stewart had a plan where she wanted all of the technician characters to be wearing plaid, just to Oh, to match. distinguish. Exactly, yes. And then... That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> None of us speak, but we still have characters, and that needs to be demonstrated. By, mm-hmm. And mainly that's done by just using body language and facial expressions, because there's not... A lot of other options. I would imagine it's it's a challenge, and it, yeah, you guys are learning a lot about about being in that moment and being a character too. And Maggie, let's talk about um, your character and the. Um, I mean, she's kind of an iconic character within the story of It's a Wonderful Life, and uh, you know, I felt like the the movie sometimes like she. She was the heart of it and um, just was, uh, tell us what you've learned about her by by portraying her through this radio on stage play. Yeah, um, she's been a really fun character to play. Um, Like I said before, this is a part in theater I haven't gotten to play before. And so it's been really fun to experiment with her. And I've found that she's not only like this soft, caring, like, person who just happens to be George's wife but she's also a very like strong independent woman who can speak up against George and like does what she wants to do and doesn't always like listen or do what she's told and so there's kind of this duality to her that I think is really fun to experiment with Mm-hmm. right and she um you know I think she she truly believes in her husband uh, maybe more than he does, but she's also b- so busy with the kids <laughs> yeah. in the show. And uh, I just, I love how she brings everybody together. And uh, it's just, it's, it's a really memorable character. It, I was thinking too, I, I should ask, when the audience is there, um, there's a lot to, that they're going to need to know to look. So any advice for somebody who's coming about how to set your mind about being an audience member of a show that's happening on stage about a show. Like, where should we be looking? What should we be looking for? Um, how, how are you managing making it clear how the action moves through through the story? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I would definitely say, well, I'm sure Nathan can tell you more about this, but like to look at the techie table 
because the stuff I've just been glancing over during rehearsals and the stuff that they're doing is really cool. They have one sound effect where they're using a pair of scissors to symbolize a typewriter and it works really well. And it's one of my favorite cues that they have. Um, But also Kate has done an incredible job making sure that everyone's character if for the people with multiple characters that they're distinguished from one another so for an audience member to pay attention to if someone is wearing a hat in one scene and they don't have a hat in another scene that that might symbolize they're playing a different character or for my character because I only have one um, she's wearing a robe in the scene where her robe rips and then she has some knitting in another scene because she's knitting a baby bottom because she's about to have a baby Um, and it's really interesting it's definitely something that would be worth noticing just those little details right I think that's going to be a fun part and a whole new way to see a show for folks uh, on the stage Uh, let's ask May let's jump in and um, have you tell us a little bit about um, your costume and maybe what you've learned about uh, the 40s and you're playing well the announcer and Billy and uh, tell us so how uh Tell us about how you'll be costumed and, again, what you've learned about the 40s. Um, well, the 40s, they just very differently than we do today. <laughs> That's for sure. And um, that was a time when women were starting to experiment a little with, like, wearing things that, like, before was like only reserved for men, like trousers and things like that. So um, some of the people in our that are playing um, women will be like probably wearing skirts. Some will be wearing trousers. Actually, I think Kate and Rachel aren't sure which one I'm going to be wearing. <laughs> I was yeah. wondering that. And I'll take on that yet. But, um, yeah, so it's it's really fun. Um, aside from the hair, of course, I that it's very very hard to do, and I'm not really looking forward to either putting it in or taking it out. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it, the costumes always have really helped me like really get in character, and um, it I feel like it's a very important part of the of the entire like production because. Without costumes, um, it just it wouldn't be the same at all. So costumes are very important to me. Yeah, I think and I think that's a wonderful thing. This show is taking place on a radio stage, which I'm really excited about that idea of imagining what radio was like. Um, I I know when I was a little kid, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say it. I used to imagine we'd drive uh, to my grandma's house a lot and listen to the radio in the car on the way, that every time there was new music, that they switched out, like it was all live. (laughs) And so, as I mean, this is when I was a tiny little kid, you know, three, four years old, thinking, wow, how do they move all those musicians and start up on time? (laughs) because <laughs> I thought everything was live so you know you just you don't you don't know um and so but but doing a live show means uh, you have to have that 
timing and i mean there's it's gonna broadcast i know that from this show <laughs> no matter what happens you gotta roll with what what is presented and make it feel like it's part of the show so how have you been um have you had a chance to to go through the show and maybe i'll start with um maggie of of you know uh run through so that you are anticipating all of those things and getting getting some of those pieces worked out yeah, we've definitely, um, I think our rehearsals are kind of short, so we've only had, I think, one complete run-through of the show. Yeah, it doesn't open until next week, so yeah. <laughs> that's that's probably normal in the time frame. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's been really interesting to work with, like, even just line pickup and the transitions in between scenes, because it, it all has to be so fast, um, and Rachel said this, uh, to us during one of the rehearsals, but just that any dead air on the radio and people change the channel. And so we have to try to like s- s- figure that out and see how to make sure that like we don't have any space in between like lines in between scenes, all of that to make sure that people stay interested and engaged in the show the whole time. Right. I think that's a, a really important, it's like this orchestration of how things are going to go. And uh, I guess I'm trying to think of, of, I've got so many questions, but just a little bit of time. Um, well, let's talk about the idea, how this show stays relevant. I guess that's one thing I've been curious about because it is very unusual. I mean, if you can you name other movies from the 1940s that or other stories? There, there aren't a lot of them that, that make it through that test of time. So Nathan, you were someone who hadn't seen it, um, and and so now you've had time to spend with the story. And what do you think it is that makes the story, you know, be uh, interesting and tradition for a lot of people as through the years? Oh gosh, that's a great question. I think, I think part of it is that it's a good it's a good feel good story at the end. Like it goes through its ups and downs with the characters, but it at the end it makes you. It, it's a feel-good ending. It feels... It's a nice story. And then it also can have some connections to modern day with the events of, like, just... Gosh, I'm not sure how to explain it. That's... A, yeah, yeah it, I mean, there is there is a lot in it. And let me ask Rachel, why did why was it that you wanted to do this production? And, and how did you think that, you know, it was important to do it at this, you know, this year? Right. Um, several factors, actually. Uh, Practically, uh, part of it was the fact that we could be at microphones and we are in a pandemic. And I thought uh, if, you know, if nothing else worked, we could do it actually on on the air and not even on the stage, do it through Zoom or something. You know, who knows? Because we have to plan these things out so far in advance. A, B, C, D, E, and E. (laughs) Yes. Um, However, uh, it looks like we're, you know, good to go on the stage, which is fantastic. Um, But I do think, reflecting back to your, your prior question about what to look for, I think there are... It would be wonderful to me to see people in the audience actually close their eyes. I didn't and wonder. stop looking and just listen because that is really what the experience would have been in 1946. Um, because our 
so that the play is is set in 1946. The the movie was set in 1946. Our radio show takes place in 1946 when radio was the thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it still was. People were really, um, really still listening. Uh, it was accessible to everyone, and you know, we were just coming out of the war. Life was changing quickly and and confusingly. And uh, so all of that. But anyway, I found I'm going to I'm just going to read this short paragraph because I think it is um, it it just so well encompasses what this show means and why it is still relevant. It says it's a wonderful life explores much deeper themes connected to what holidays are traditionally supposed to concern the values of basic goodness and sacrifice the gift of friendship, the pitfalls of greed and commercialism, the sense of community and belonging that helps us feel truly connected in a society. So mm. how much better can you get than that? that and we need a lot of that right <laughs> we now. We sure do. Yeah, and so I hope you've warned the, the players if people are closing their eyes or not sleeping. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't worry that they've lost us. Exactly. <laughs> well, this sounds like an amazing show. I'm going to go ahead and, and jump in and have everybody tell us, is there something you're really excited about that you want the audience to see and give us a reason to, to buy a ticket? We'll start with May. If you want to talk to us about... Um, Anything we've missed that you want to share with the audience or anything that you're incredibly excited about the show? Well, this is my first radio play, and I'm just really excited to see how it turns out. Um, The timing, uh, we're really working on it, and it's getting a lot better. And something that's really fun for me is that we have all of the different, um, like if you're playing multiple characters or like um, if you have a certain thing in a certain scene, we have some like props and little accessories that we can wear. And I'm really excited for that. And I hope that that like shows to the audience that um, it's different. We're playing different characters because it would be kind of weird if like they thought that an announcer was like speaking with George Bailey about business. So like <laughs> that wouldn't, probably wouldn't let that might confuse people. So yeah, I'm just really excited for that. And um, and the commercials too. I'm I'm very excited to give the commercials because actually there's one commercial um, from Chic Orthodontics, and um, we're gonna have actually a friend of mine is gonna come up on the stage. She had Chic Orthodontics like braces and stuff, and now her teeth are like great because of that. And she is gonna come up and like flash her teeth and smile while I talk about how beautiful her teeth are because she visited Chic Orthodontics. I'm very excited to do that one. That does sound like fun. Thank you. So that's a great, great uh, promo. How about for you, Nathan? What are you excited to share with audiences here at the um, Northfield Arts Guild Theater? I think from the technician side of things, I think that seeing all the sound cues lined up with the dialogue and the rest of the script will be a very interesting experience just because people will be able to really fall into the story and try and experience what it would be like in a radio production. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that will be something that will be new. Maybe for some, it'll bring back some memories if you've got a grandma and grandpa who are visiting and want to come and see it. Um, for others, it'll be a, like, wow, radio was like that. That's, uh, so it has, has those both things. Maggie, what are you most looking, looking forward to? Oh, well, um, definitely I'm looking forward to, as we start into Tech Week, just combining everything together and getting the lights and, well, we already have the sound effects, but, like, putting on costumes and makeup and doing hair and stuff and just seeing this wonderful show finally, like, come together and all of these parts just, like, building up until opening night. And I'm really excited to just be right in the center of all of that. I, I love being with, um, thank you for, for that, Maggie, with everybody who's just about ready to do a play because you can tell that there's that buildup of, are we going to do it? Of course we're going to do it. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> but there's still that, that like, we haven't worked out this part and that part, but it always pulls off. It always happens. So, Rachel, and the, I want to mention that the tickets are on sale now. Performances start Saturday, December 4th and run for two weekends, Saturdays at 7, Sundays at 2 p.m. So there's four shows. I ex- expect there'll be a lot of interest in this, so folks need to get those tickets early. Anything I've missed or anything you want to add? Well, I since May brought up Chic Orthodontics, I'd love to mention our other sponsors, which are Vistendal, Morsch, Dorsey, and Hahn, and also Holden Farms, Holden Family Farms. Uh, it's really so important uh, that our community embraces theater for for young people and i am truly appreciative of their sponsorships um and also uh roger fetty uh is giving us a a really wonderful deal on vintage microphones of course (laughs) because they are not like you and i see are sitting in front of or the audience usually see there's pretty i think i think they're kind of they're beautiful yeah exactly they're like pieces of art (laughs) yes yes they are so um so anyway, Fetty Electronics is is also helping us out. So well, th- many things. That's important. It takes a whole team to put together this. Like you mentioned in the beginning, that's what learning about theater is for, for everyone in the Purple Door Youth Theater. Yes. Folks, this has been an amazing show, and I'm very excited. I thank you so much. I want to especially thank my guests. We have Rachel Heider, who's the director and the founder of Purple Door Youth Theater. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Uh, Nathan Wolf, Maggie Muth, and May Bowers. Just a terrific job. I mean, you're all amazing, and I think it's just incredible to, to be a part of a community that has great theater for uh, all ages, uh, and audiences get to benefit from all of that. So, folks, this is Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Thank you for being a part of the show, and I truly mean that. I really do enjoy when you let me know that you listen and uh, tell the people who are in these productions that you heard it on Art Zany Radio. I hope that you add some Art Zany to your life. And, of course, in the meantime, until next time, enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. The Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Midwest. 
Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop, and rehearsal spaces. In addition to a 300-seat auditorium, visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-334-7372. 